Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? This your boy Johnny Vegas, host of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right away from your phone or your computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google podcasts and many more you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started I want to be a billionaire, I ain't getting no sleep, till I see a milli every week, I want to be a billionaire, I ain't getting no sleep, till I see a billy every week, I want to be Ladies a- Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleep is for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now today, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a treat. I got a special guest on my show. This woman is a lifestyle influencer. She's a host. She's the founder of XX Creative. And we're going to talk a little bit about her business and entrepreneurialism, if that's a word somewhere in there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Drea B. Hi. How you doing, lovely? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, yeah. life is good. Can't complain. Sleep is for billionaires. You don't see these bags on the I know. I feel you. Go <laughs> to sleep. Who knows about that? Right, right, right. <laughs> so how you doing today? I'm good. Things look good. Busy. It's always busy yeah busy or productive both okay you gotta do okay. both you move gotta be productive you, you gotta be busy move, move, move in a little bit come yeah. in, come in. there we go don't get shy, don't get shy. <laughs> there we go but yeah so um now that's what's up man as long as you're staying productive keeping the money coming in i know you're traveling crazy you was in uh, vegas right i was i just got back from iheart festival we were out mm. there um Actually, you had damage on the show. We were out there with Hollywood Unlocked. Okay. So we were out there. Um, I managed Melissa Ford, so I was out there with her and, and the team, and you know, just doing that whole Aha Radio thing. You know, they they just got syndicated, so yeah, we were out there kind of networking and promoting the show. So it was good. It was a good trip. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, man. Well, congrats on that. Mm. And um, so again, this show is about getting insider information for those looking to be in your position. And you sounds like you wear a lot of hats, you <laughs> know. True. So uh, you know, before we even get into you know how you even got into that, I want to go back to the beginning, beginning. Like, <laughs> where you where you from? I I was born in Seattle. Okay. Uh, then raised by coastal, so Brooklyn and Seattle. Okay. Shout out to BK. Hey. I'm from the Bronx. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so we did that, and then um. I, from Seattle, I went to college out there at Central Washington University, mm. and then from there I went to Vegas. Okay. Did five years of the nightlife, boxing, Mayweather, all the above, Ooh. you name it, okay. I was in it. As, 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 as... On the PR marketing side. So I did, I worked for the largest agency out there. So we had every client you can think of on the strip, okay. I touched in some capacity, whether okay. it was hotels, entertainment, nightlife sports so mm. yeah it was really cool we worked with like the ufc we worked with golden boy mgm caesars Cirque du Soleil. so mm. it was a good time it was a good five years that's dope yeah man. okay yeah okay yeah. so before because you, you kind of just ran past <laughs> every, the, the grow up side so let's go back a little bit little bit okay. i want to talk so even as a youngster yeah. you know did, is this what you wanted to do back then? Like, what did, what was your first dream? Absolutely not. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know what my what doing marketing and PR. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah, for PR Puerto Rico now. No, <laughs> I play. I play ball. I play basketball. What? That was my Me thing. Too. Okay. That was my thing. So, 
I thought I was going to be Allen Iverson. That was my favorite player. Okay. And I thought I was going to, you know, make it to the league and do that whole thing. So you play for school? And I play for school and everything. Okay. Um, I got injured. Uh, ankle? Knee. Ugh, ACL? Knee, knee surgery. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just a tear. Mm. But it enough to... You got to, pro, you got to, crossed up to put me out. No, actually, she fell on me. Like ah. she, I, we were going back and forth, and it was full court press, uh -huh. and she just did this like she just like leaned into me and like fell like on my knee. Like I didn't even move really, but she like tried to almost charge me, ah. and then she just like fell. But the way she fell, she leaned into like my hip, and oh. my knee just went. Damn. Yeah. And then they had you on the stretcher. No, yeah. I actually thought I was okay. Like I sat out the rest of the game, thought mm. I was fine, and yeah. then I. Went and played like just like a pickup game the next day, mm. and when I for for the layup came down, just arrived. You didn't get back up. <laughs> I was saying I was honestly the end of my basketball career to be honest because how old you at this time? Um, I was probably about eighteen, okay. nineteen. Yeah, okay. so you know, the, and I didn't really know what I was doing. Like mm. I didn't know what life was like. You know, in terms of career, like I just didn't really think that far ahead to be honest. Like mm. I'd love to say that. I really thought that far ahead, but I didn't. I was yeah. like, I play ball, I go to school, and like that's just what I do. Um, but at that point, I had to figure out life. I had to figure out <laughs> what, what was next. And really, my parents kind of were pushing me to. They came from an insurance. My mom came from an insurance background, so did my grandma. Okay. And my grandma's actually really big in the insurance. And you just grew up with your mom and my grandma. Yeah. Oh, so, they, well, they I, I, I no, they went together. I had. I mean. My dad kind of popped up, but it wasn't mm -hmm. a consistent thing. Got it. Um, but my grandma was super heavy in the insurance game, like one of the most respected ones on the West Coast. Uh -huh. So it was kind of like they were trying to push me into like, insurance. oh, you can make money and all that. Security. Yeah. yeah. You can't, like, I'm too creative for that. Yeah. Like, I just, I didn't have, I have ADD. I can't, like, sit still for five minutes. Like, really? you know what I mean? So that was never going to be the nine to five behind a desk was just not. My, my thing so I thought journalism would be the next best thing so I was like well maybe I can do like you know work for ESPN or something like that you know what I mean something still with ball but not playing yeah um and then them deadlines with like journalism and stuff like that uh -huh. again was another issue for me so you actually were working with went ESPN into I went in actually went into the journalism program at my school okay so okay. we had um like ESPN them come through and stuff like that so that's kind of what put the idea in my head that uh -huh. I thought maybe sports journalism so they were looking for like interns and stuff? yeah okay and then I just realized that was mm. not for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I had already taken all the credits. So I was like, I got to do something with these. And my advisor was like, well, what about public relations? Like, you like to be social. You like to be out at events, doing all these different things. Like, maybe that's, you can be like the connector between media and like the business. And mm. I was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Majored in it. Got an internship in fashion, actually. Graduated? Graduated. There you go. Um, thank you. And that's kind of where the start was, in fashion PR, actually, in Seattle. Mm. Um, which didn't have a huge scene at the time, but they did have the Art Institute and stuff like that. So I was interning with like that kind of stuff, Seattle mm. Fashion Week. Um, so that's how I got started. Yeah. Um, but from there, I realized, again, fashion, it's a nasty, at that time especially, it was a very nasty exclusive industry you know you say nasty mm -hmm. what do you mean like yeah let them know let them know what you mean for the well and it's not like this now like thankfully people like you know ashley graham winnie harlow people like that that have really even rihanna with her brand have really opened up the fashion world to be inclusive mm -hmm. all different body types be different be unique you mm -hmm. know what i mean and that's awesome right when i was interning 
it was still very much you need to be a size zero and mm. not very diverse in terms of ethnicity and if it was you were very sectioned off into like well you can represent you know urban brands but right. you can't you know be couture fashion mm. and it was just something that i didn't stand by you right. know what i mean i i'm curvy i'm latina i didn't align with anybody that was really out there doing it um from that standpoint and i just felt like it was an industry and i watched models and stuff like backstage just dying to be so skinny dying to be the next thing you know it was just like a rat race mm -hmm. that was just really ugly and I, again it's not something i could support right um so i had to switch out of that that was like the next move so this is in this was where seattle this was in seattle okay yeah okay um so from there i was just kind of i was still in my internship just working like a, a nine to five to to pay the bills mm -hmm. um but i knew i needed to be like in something busier like entertainment or something along those lines mm -hmm. and i have been just traveling with friends to las vegas and so you were living by yourself at this time yeah okay. i lived by myself okay. well i think i had a roommate but i was living you know on my own yeah, like yeah. doing my own thing but i was bored like just seattle was boring to me the industry i was in wasn't doing it you know in terms of the pr side was fine but just fashion mm -hmm. wasn't my thing yeah um and we've been traveling to las vegas uh I had a friend that had known Floyd Mayweather and his team for a long time. Mm. So we were traveling back and forth and I'm kind of one of those people that like, well, I do like vacation. I'm always like, what's going on? You know, yeah, I, I got to be yeah, in the yeah. scene. I got to see what's going on. Yeah. So after about the second trip, I like set up interviews, like started setting up interviews with PR companies, mm. things like that. Um, and ended up on the third trip getting hired. Uh, and they were like, we need you here in two weeks. Oh, wow. So, and I had just moved into a townhouse. Like, I, it was just like two weeks. You got to figure it out. Mm. And so at that point, like, let's get, yeah. I want to capitalize on that thought yeah. process right there. When they said, yo, I'm giving you two, two weeks. weeks. What was, what was, what was the grind? It was, it honestly wasn't, I was excited. I wasn't, it wasn't really like, it, cause I don't know, just felt meant to be, you know what I mean? So I didn't really feel like the, the pressure, I'm sure looking well, I mean, back like on like, responsibilities yeah, 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 wise part. like it was a little i'm sure i, I probably could have handled things differently mm. i got lucky because the townhouse we were in it, we were renting and i was able to replace myself as like with my roommate so that she had another roommate i vetted the person so it ended up working itself out you yeah. know what i mean so i didn't really have any obligations in that regard i kept my car drove that down and just kind of packed up everything i needed and and did and that was Kind of it. it was weird because it's a new city. I didn't really know nobody, yeah. no family there. Like, but it again, it just worked itself. I actually had the first few months I stayed with my mom's husband. She had newly married wow. her his sister, mm. but I didn't know her. Mm. Um, so stayed with them for a few months till I found my place. Okay, and then that was and the start of Vegas. It yeah, out. it did. Okay. It did, and I think like that's like a super key point as I feel definitely be responsible in, in what you're doing mm -hmm. and i do think finances are important in, in strategy and planning but i also think you can overdo that right you know what i mean like if you're overdoing to the point where you're just like closing off all your opportunities because you're like well it might not be perfectly right i don't think that there's any perfectly right scenario mm -hmm. you know and sometimes especially like in, in the entertainment industry or an industry industry that's like fast pace mm -hmm. it's not you gotta go with the flow right you know and you gotta learn to adapt and kind of move accordingly otherwise you'll get left behind that's a fact yeah so i felt like this is my opportunity to to get out of you know seattle to change industries 
is the entertainment capital of the world mm-hmm. in terms of like nightlife and that kind of entertainment. Um, I had a connection to boxing and, and the TMT team. So I was like, I feel like it was just good. It was meant to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. So when you got to Vegas, was it difficult to actually get the ball rolling? Did you just kind of jump in and it, things just kind of worked out through your affiliation? Yeah. I think on the personal side, it was easy to get the ball rolling because okay. I was, you know, I mean, Floyd's king of Vegas. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. that was helpful. But um, on the industry side, yeah, I mean, I was still kind of getting my grounding, figuring out. In Vegas, what I feel like a lot of people don't know is there's a lot of tourists that come in and out and there's a lot of people in that regard. But the actual city and like the locals, it's a small city. Mm-hmm. And the entertainment, PR, marketing, nightlife side is even smaller. Mm. So it didn't take long to like, figure out who's who, who the key players are, and that kind of situation. So for the year, I did this small boutique company that hired me, and then I realized who was like the heavyweight on the marketing and PR side, mm-hmm. um, and ended up you know, figuring out who was the you know VPs and stuff like that, talking with them, and then about six or seven months after that, I got hired by them, or okay. an offer from them to move over. Um, to be their account, I think it was account executive at the time or something like that. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that was really what changed my game in terms of putting me on the map for entertainment and nightlife marketing and working with like really, really big people, bigger than I had ever worked with in my whole like time doing it. Mm -hmm. And while I still had experience on the like, you know, writing and that side, I hadn't worked for like really big brands and really, you know, big people so now I'm going from these little who you know startup companies to like Caesars Entertainment and MGM Resorts International and Cirque who at the time had just uh contracted the Michael Jackson estate to open their show so Mm. I was working with the state of Michael Jackson and you know Floyd and boxing and you know so it it was the resume was built it was and fast like you know and and I will say this the cool thing about the company that I was working for is they once they trusted you like they're like, just go go do your thing, you know? We don't care how young you are. We don't care, you know, whatever. If you're proving that things are good and you're doing your job, like, they kind of let you have free reign on that regard. Mm. So it was cool because I was able to really... Relationships I still have today right. with clients because I was able to bond with them, you know, without being micromanaged or anything like that, so... That's cool, Yeah, man. So cool. when did you decide to leave Vegas mm. and come to L.A.? Because people come here and they be like, oh, I'm about to come here. I'm about to get discovered. It's about to pop all the way off. Yeah. And it don't happen like that. So when you actually decided to come to L.A., you know, what plan did you put together to build a solid foundation for yourself? Yeah. um, Honestly, I had gone back and forth a lot. I didn't ever feel like Vegas was the end all for me in terms of staying there. Um, I felt like it was a great jumping off point. I felt like it really boosted my career the way I needed it to. But about the fourth year there, I realized that I need to capitalize on this more outside of, like, I don't want to just be the Las Vegas person. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That just, that wasn't my goal. I didn't really like Las Vegas in terms of, like, personally living there. Was there a lot of people doing the same thing? Was it, like, over... No, it actually really wasn't that oversaturated. And you were able to kind of find your own niche. You know, my niche was with artist relations, even though I was doing marketing and PR, like when I was working with nightlife or whatever, I was running heavily with managers, talent on the music side. So I was able to kind of form those relationships or media on the media music side. Um, so it was people kind of putting the bug on my ear, like, Oh, maybe you should transition to like the music industry and like start doing it that way. And, you know, you have a passion for it. I used, I, I 
play guitar. Like, I do have a love for music okay. and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, maybe. But I was still comfortable in my position. So I, it wasn't right away. But after I opened, we opened SLS Las Vegas, mm. um, which is now the Sahara, I think. And we had a lot of talent there the opening night. So mm -hmm. we had, like, Janae Aiko, Lenny Kravitz, Rita Ora, Iggy Azalea, Robin Thicke, John Legend, Redman Method Man, I think that weekend. Yeah. Like, we're a lot of random artists and, and DJs and things like that. And there were so many coming in at one time. And mm. so I had a lot of conversations, you know, with managers and, and friends that in the industry. And they kind of convinced me. They were like, look, you need to, you need to like, come to our side. Like, yeah. come do music and, like, be in that. And I had never worked for a label, so mm -hmm. I was like, mm, I don't know, like, you know, I heard a lot of shady stuff about that, I don't know if I want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but as it grew, I realized that it was really was my passion. Um, and then it was deciding what city. Ah. Because when I was growing up, New York was, that was the, the music capital the music, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So for, that's where the labels were, that's where the decisions were made. But at that point, a lot of that side had moved over to LA, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of the labels had put more money into the teams in LA, the budgets were bigger in LA, it was easier to move to LA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, like, they, yeah. yeah, so, and I felt like I could still still keep my connection to Vegas because it was, you know, it was an hour flight away or, you know, a drive, yeah. so it just made sense. Right. Um. So I started looking for PR companies that focused in music, mm. found a boutique one that was trying to revamp and grow her music side of it because she had switched to branding but mm. she was representing kind of the old school acts so we had like gene simmons paris hilton on the dj side mm -hmm. afrojack boy george like just random people and i was like okay like i can grow this you yeah. know what i mean like i can figure this out so she was actually the one that hired me and moved me out to la okay yeah mm. so that was cool. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Found somebody that believed in you and then brought you on board and took the risk to set you up. Right. And really as a business owner, I think that's a that's something I'm learning now, now that I own my own business, is the risk and reward that you put into yeah, your risk staff. Management. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you you really do have to justify that when you're talking about budgets and salaries and, and things like that. Like if I'm gonna put money into you, whether I'm moving you out here, whether I'm hiring you and you live here, you know, that's still money out my pocket and risk yeah. that I'm taking to yeah. hope that you perform. Right. You know? She's investing in you. Yeah, exactly. So, it, I mean, and it happened to me twice, you know, moving out of state both times, mm -hmm. you know? So I felt good about that, that people were seeing my work and, and respecting it and, and, believing, and believing in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then my world kind of came to a crash about six months in. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we get to the tea. We get to the tea. And it, Honestly, it was it's nothing against her, and especially definitely not looking at it as a business owner. I get it, mm -hmm. but she had to go where the money was, and at the time it wasn't music. And she decided she was gonna a family situation happened, and then she decided she wanted to switch her whole company into tech and brands. Mm -hmm. I had and not even like lifestyle brands. It was like you know apps or things. You know things that like I just really out of all the PR I done had no interest in had no like. Experience, experience relationships and all of our stuff comes down to relationships with right. media or the or other companies mm. if i don't have the relationships then i'm just cold calling you know what i mean yeah. really and being like can you please write about this you know so she kind of sat me down and was like here's the situation you know and you can either stay on board basically almost part-time mm. and work on this tech stuff or take a severance and and go and that was probably the toughest decision I've had to make in what my whole career. I took the money and I left. 
Because at the end that of the day, you have to be happy. Same thing. Yeah, you have to be... Money's important and always get the bag. But at the same time, you also have to know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and, and bet on yourself at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was just at a point in my career where I put in a lot of years. You know, I wasn't brand new. I wasn't out of college. I had the support. You know, I had people that, that you know, backed me in a lot of ways. So... I was like, I'm just, it's like now or never almost. I feel like if I hadn't taken that risk then, I would have just stayed in corporate right. my whole life, you know, and just gone to the next, next Yeah, level. you wouldn't have been happy, man. You mm-hmm. probably would have found yourself learning something that you weren't interested in in the first place. And, yeah. You know, have, then it would have became a job at that point. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, it looks like you, you love what you do and yeah. you just, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like, in my head, I was like, the the worst that can happen, okay, it doesn't work out. You know, I don't, I, I run through my savings, I don't have money, and I have to move back home or something. Like, that would be, to me, the worst that would have to happen. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's, like, the very worst. So, I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. Like, if that's, if I have to, you know, close it up and yeah. call it a day. Take two steps back and take three steps forward and be like that. Right. So, I took that, and she... She was cool enough to let me go with the clients that I brought in because mm-hmm. I brought in a, a few clients who are music artists and mm-hmm. talent. Um, so she allowed me to leave with them, which was really awesome because, you know, a lot of people don't start out the gate with clients. Right. So that was extremely helpful for me um, to start off at the time was just I was just freelancing. It, it wasn't even a company at that point. Right. Um, to to begin kind of like my journey into the entrepreneur side. So. To go back and answer your question, did I plan on ever doing this? No, I never planned on being an entrepreneur. I thought I was going to be in the WNBA or corporate my whole life. Right. So I was thrown into it, but now understanding it, I don't know that I could. And I've been offered positions, you know, in the, like over the last year or so to come back into corporate. And I'm just like, hmm, I'm good. No, I can't yeah. do it. And the money was great, but I'm just like, but now I appreciate my, my time and how I move mm. that I... I don't think I could, unless it was a position where they were, you know, understanding of that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could. I mean, hey, it's not for you then. Check you know in, nine to five. No. Yeah, it's not for you. So, so okay. So you came to LA six months. You had to make that decision. After you made that decision, you know, what, what did you do next? Then it was it was hustle time. You had, you know, like that's the other thing is that the hard part is that you don't realize what corporate does for you in a lot of ways. You're talking about benefits. Health insurance, pension. car, mm-hmm. pension, whatever, 401k, like all those things are like, you don't think about it. You're just, I'm here, I clock in 9 to 5, do what I'm brought in to do, mm-hmm. and that's it. So now that you're you're on your own, you've got to think about all those things, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, it was just building up the clientele. So mm-hmm. when I say I was out everywhere, any event, I was saying yes to everything. Yeah. You know, I need to be here, sure, I'll be there, like whatever, just mm-hmm. trying to network, get my name out there. Because, um, again, I had only been here six months. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have, a, and no family, like, I didn't really have friends out here yet. So it was, I had to make all new relationships. Right. So that was, like, my next goal was mm-hmm. to get a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. Um, once I did that, things were good for a while. Okay. Um, but then I started to understand that my industry was changing. Mm. What and do you mean by that? Like, what happened? So... PR back in the day was like, again, I built on relationships. You were the middleman between media and talent, media and companies, whatever. Now, 
the best way I can describe it for people that don't know what public relations is, is to say that it's, it's a part of marketing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not a just, oh, hey, let me make a phone call to this editor that I know and get you, you know, the cover of Forbes. It, it doesn't work like that. And not to say that it's all paid either. It's not. But journalists, all of the media got cut down. Uh, you know what I mean? So their industries got smaller. Mm-hmm. So you, now you have one editor covering everything. Okay. You know, and you have a million publicists getting at them 24-7. So your chances of getting features and things like that have become smaller. So now you have to be strategic and, you know, talk about marketing and talk about viral moments and social media influencers and just everything was changing. So what you used to be able to rely on PR for now has to be a part of a complete communication strategy and marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. So you can't have one without the other now. Mm-hmm. So if you hire a publicist and say, hey, like I want you to publicize what I'm doing or whatever, I hope that you have like marketing stuff to back it. Otherwise, it won't stick. So it became hard for me because we became the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. You know, well, my business didn't succeed or my TV show, you know, didn't get the, I think the light from the TV show that I just did. Mm. It's my publicist's fault, you know, because uh, it was their fault that they didn't do it. When in reality, it's like, well, you also didn't go to any events. You didn't put any marketing dollars behind it. You didn't do ad buys. You didn't do, you know, all these other things to support your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what people are kind of missing. So after multiple times of that happening to me, I, I was like, I have to switch. I now have to switch what I'm offering, right. you know? So even for the XX creative side, we've gone from starting as just a boutique PR agency. So that was the way, before you continue, that was the birth. That was the birth, yeah, of XX creative. So then we realized that we got to be more strategic with it. We Mm got to bring in the communication strategy, the marketing strategy and rely on that first and PR is supplemental. Mm -hmm. So I partnered up with somebody who I had worked with out in Vegas Mm -hmm. who came from both a design background and a PR background. And, I was able to start the company, but rooted in the strategy, okay. not rooted in PR. Okay. Um, so that was kind of the shift of me moving outside of PR. what people were oh. knew me for. Okay. And that was a hard transition too, personally, because once you're kind of known for something industry, people like have a hard time wanting to have you do anything else. Right. You know, so if you ask somebody at, you know, Republic Records, what is what does she do? She's a publicist. Mm-hmm. that will be their answer till I die. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I really had to rebrand myself too, mm-hmm. personally, you know, to align with this new strategy that I was putting behind the company. Okay. So now that you got this, this, this formula, you know, already structured, how has it been working for you? It's been good. It's, it's been, like I said, a transition. I will say, Talent is not as on board with that as much, unless they have a big team behind them, like a label or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because again, they're you know, and I think you would understand too. Is when you're a talent, when you're an actor, when you're something like that, mm-hmm. you're struggling to make it too. You know, mm-hmm. so money matters. Mm-hmm. Every cent matters. Right. So for them, it's like you know, yeah, I want to bring on PR, I want to bring a communication strategy, but I only want to pay you X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Well. I can't really put together a strategy for that amount, you know? So explain that to me before you proceed, not to interrupt. So for someone who's looking for, you know, someone of your public relations or anything to help boost their buzz or their image to the general public, 
what do they have to consider before coming in as far as, okay, you know, how much money they're going to need, what to expect from you, what exactly do you offer that's going to benefit them? So explain that part. So basically what we try to do is we try to bring together, like, if I'm presenting a proposal to you, I'm going to give you everything in that proposal. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to be the highest rate that we have for your type of campaign on purpose because I want you to see what a strategy looks like. Right. Now... You can always come back and be like, hey, you know, I have a social media guy, so I don't need the social media support. Or I have a marketing manager. I don't need that side of it. You know, they'll they'll handle that part of it. That's fine. We, we, we work with the teams that, you know, we're given. But I try to give everything in the campaign because, again, it goes back to the support. So we can a la carte it all you want to. And I can say, okay, I'll just do your PR. But I'm very transparent with people when I say, while the money might be lower, like the retainer fee might be lower because we're just doing one thing. If you're not supporting those other things in, internally or however you're doing it with your personal team, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the results you want out of the PR. You know what I mean? So you have to have an entire strategy and team behind it. So it's not that I try to upcharge people and be like, get everything. But we need to talk about how this is all going to be laid out, you know, from marketing to social media to PR because that's the only way you're going to get that full exposure now. So in order for you to do your job effectively, what do I need? Besides, like, and if it's money, a dollar amount, what's that money going to get me? I mean, it's not necessarily a dollar amount. It's it's the team. You know what I mean? Like, you need some... Now, whether you hire us as a team on all of those realms, that's one thing. And a lot of people, like, examples like a brand. So internally, a brand is going to have most likely a graphic designer mm-hmm. or somebody on the design team. They're going to have a marketing manager. They're going to have maybe even an internal PR team. Mm-hmm. And then they bring us on to like amplify the strategy that they're putting together. Got it. Now, if you come to the table and you're like, I don't have any of that. I'm just me. Well, then now it's on me to supplement all of that for your campaign. When you say supplement, like I, then, are you, are you coming out of pocket to do this for that person? Yeah, so like, I mean, PR is nine times, to- well, now it's a little bit different, maybe like seven times out of ten, not pay to play. So okay. it's, that's me, you're relying on my relationships for the PR side. Uh, relationships I have with media, relationships I have with editors, whatever. But if you're talking about marketing and social media, yeah, because then, then I'm having to support with ad buys or promo or, you know, whatever, design, if I have to design your content for, you know, the social media stuff, you know what I mean, whatever. So, yeah, that's all going to be, I either have to pay my internal team or I got to pay a vendor if I don't have it, you know, so. So how are you reciprocated after, let's say if you took that that risk and that that you believed in that person, you put up some money for them, how do you get money back from doing that? Well, we work solely on retainers. Okay. So I'm going to look at you and say, okay, I'm, you're launching a song or you're releasing a song. Here's the campaign I'm going to put behind it. Now, and if I handle it all internally, this is the retainer that's going to cost me and my company and my time and my relationships to support that single you're going to put out. And then that's the monthly retainer that you would pay for that campaign. And usually a campaign is three months, like a, a small campaign. Okay. And some people will hire us on annually and we'll do, you know, every okay. year. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, someone doesn't basically have the money. They're just like, it's just me. You yeah. said you would cover it. Yeah. That's why I was, that's why I was talking yeah. about that situation yeah. specifically. 
yeah so we if, if he was like this is just me like i need an entire team support okay that's fine but this is going to cost you more because i'm gonna have to put more of my staff behind you mm. to to supplement the staff that you don't have whereas if you're like a brand obviously you're gonna have internal Things staff in place, you just need a specific uh, yeah service. situation yeah exactly oh okay yeah, got yeah. it got yeah. it okay well that's what's up yeah okay hmm interesting yeah hmm because, like, a company we, like, one of the companies we just got brought on is, like, a CBD company. Mm-hmm. And, like, we originally were just coming at them for PR because that's all they wanted. And then I got a call the other day and they were, like, actually, we want to do a pop-up activation, like, a three-month, like, pop-up store, a, a whole launch party. Well, now my role has gone from just PR to project management. Mm. So my complete services are going to be completely different based on that campaign, you know? So... We're not handling PR for them at this point. We're strictly handling a complete project management activation. But that's the beauty of like how I switched the company because I don't want us to be known as just PR because the reality is is that a lot of times we are ending up doing these activations or events and things like that, which in turn generate PR yeah. and media come and attend and cover it. But that's not the core. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what's up. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're a workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You running around closing all these deals. Yeah. What do you do to unwind? I mean, what do you do? What does Drea do to have fun? I know, or relax? Right? Seriously. Um, honestly, it's hard. It's hard. Like, it's hard because when you're investing in, in so many different things, whether it's, you know, your, your business, your personal brand, things like that, it's, it's hard for even me to like shut off my brain. Mm. To be honest, I have to go like out the country, like have no service on my phone, you know, to really like cut it off. Okay. What's your favorite place to be? Um, so far it's been Thailand. Thailand? Oh, yeah. I haven't been there yet. I did my 30th in Thailand. Okay. And it was... Happy lady. Thanks. It was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. It, I, I love that. Um, but it was also one of those like places that was remote enough like you had Wi-Fi and things like that, but I couldn't be on my phone twenty-four-seven. Mm-hmm. So why would you? It's something different. You rather see what's yeah. around you. Yeah. And for me, it's easy to turn that part off. Like I don't need to be on my. Like I'm not one of those like, oh my god, if I don't, you know, be on my phone, I'm gonna die. But the, where I do get anxiety is people trying to reach me. Because mm-hmm. um, again, our team is very lean and very small, so. And a lot of it, especially the captain, right? Yeah. And when you're the face of it too, and that was the thing that I wasn't used to either, because I didn't, we didn't grow up with social media, mm-hmm. you know, right, twenty four seven. So the fact that this whole social media thing plays it a part of my business, mm-hmm. like followers and things like that, in my own personal brain, I, I could care less about. Mm-hmm. But for whatever, but reason, we love you all. But we do. We love all the followers okay. and the comments and everything like that. But. I didn't realize how much that played in, in terms of my actual business and like mm-hmm. people looking for me or checking for me and then going to the business and then being like, okay, well, she's got this following. She's got, you know what I mean? She's so, got to be official. Right. So that's where I feel like on my personal brain side, I had to step up my game because I didn't understand mm-hmm. that there was a weight put on like by having enough followers or so many followers or whatever the case was. So. Yeah. It creates a stigma to where it's like the more followers you have, it kind of determines your status. Well, it's not really that deep because it's like i know people who are like fucking billionaires and they got maybe 600 followers yeah. on instagram or they don't even have a phone like yeah so it's like you yeah. know y'all really should switch y'all should really switch that mindset facts 
it's fake, <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. It is, but it's also, especially if you're in like a referral-based business like I am, it it does play a role in, and, and, and it goes both ways. Like, I mean, not that I would be out there doing that, but, you know, you can't just be out partying on the grand, like showing everything that you, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, turning up yeah. because that might lose a business opportunity on the corporate side. So you have to just be extremely cognizant, whether you have 500 followers or millions of followers that people are following you. I mean, unless you're, you're private, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But for somebody that's in a referral based business, I can't afford to be private. Right. Um, I need people to check for me. I need people to check for my company, you know, and things like that. So it's, I've had to really like pay attention to to what that all looks like. Understood. Yeah. Understood. As you should. Yeah. Okay. I see you're in the you're on the keto based diet. <laughs> yes. How's that going for you? It's good. Cause you're Dominican like me, and I had a steak for breakfast. <laughs> no, we can have. That's the cool thing about ketos. You can. I couldn't do a like. Uh, the vegan thing, but that's not my... Okay, I thought it was similar, like only no, plant-based products. No, I'm work? a meat eater, so okay. I had to find something that I could still eat meat and like veggies and like things, all that. So that's really what it is. The only thing it really cuts out is no sugar, okay, no carbs. No carbs? Mm-mm. But doesn't your body need carbs like to burn? You can have... Well, everything has carbs. Right. You know what I mean? Like even vegetables have carbs. Right. But no carbs meaning like Bread, pasta, potatoes, sweets, potatoes, like that. yeah, th- that kind of carbs. So like starchy carbs. Ah. Um. Yeah. You can. Your body does need carbs, and if you're working out on that lifestyle, you can add a little bit more on the carb side because you you know you're working out. You mm-hmm. know, so it's not completely because like my business partner, he doesn't work out at all, but he also does not eat any starch. Ah. Period. Whereas I like I work out probably like five times a week. So for me, if I have a heavy cardio day, like I'm gonna have like some kind of carb. You yeah. know what I mean? But so it's, there's not like a perfect science to it. Mm-hmm. But for me it works because it, it it's structured enough to keep me disciplined, but not so much to where I feel like I'm missing out on eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, or I feel like I'm eating like grass twenty four seven. Like that's never gonna work for me. <laughs> That's what I thought when I said keto. I just thought green, and I was like, "Oh man, no, no, leaves. no, no!" I need carne asada. I need the boy. I need right, chicken. Right. I need all the other. <laughs> yeah, so you can have all of that. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's like anything though. Like, it, it, don't be that hard on yourself. Like, while I promote it, because I have brands that you know allow me to promote it. Mm-hmm. If I want to slice a pizza, I'm going to eat it. You know what I right, mean? Right, like, right. I'm not that serious. About, but I also work out. You know what I mean? So I don't feel guilty if I have a slice. You right. know, like, whatever. But I think it's all about in moderation. But the ones that, the people that go so hard on those fad diets, again, it just takes me back to, like, the fashion industry. Yeah. Where they're eating, like, a cube of cheese a day and, like, mm. a glass of water. Like, you just can't do it. Like, yeah, it's not yeah. how I was raised. It's not, you know. It just doesn't work. You know? Unless you're trying to kill yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, well, I like it. I'm not that serious about it to the point where I'm not going to live my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. So are, are you happy with what you're doing? I am. I think I am happy, but I think evolving is necessary. Mm-hmm. I can't stay in one thing forever and not evolve and try new things because um, that just doesn't work for me. So like even right now, on, on the personal side, I've, well, I guess personal and business side, I've started getting into, like, the cannabis and CBD side. And, How so? Um, it started as just 
well, it started as the it started thing. just smoking. <laughs> no, yeah, it started up, like back in college on a roll of blood. No, I'm just like, well, kind of, but um, <laughs> but no, but it's but like it started with the CBD client that had come on board. You know what I mean? Kind of opened me up to that part of it because I mean, growing up, it's like we knew it as just as weed. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. in a blunt, and like that's what it was. But now it's really become such a big business, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize the money and the the support behind both sides, the CBD and cannabis side. So now that I've gotten more involved on the business side of it, it's allowed me to be in places and really see how it starts from from the growing to, you know, harvesting to dispensaries to lifestyle to health and medicine. So I I just think it's something I support. You know, I'm not really big into like pharmaceuticals and and pills and prescriptions. That's just not my thing. and so I, I think it's cool that there's an alternative that is natural, you know what I mean? And, and they've started to explore that. Uh, so that's kind of where I started. But now on the business side, I've seen the money and the branding behind it. It's something that I have a niche for from the branding perspective. And it's something that I feel like I can capitalize on from like just personal lifestyle. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, kind of researching still and exploring like everyone else is. Oh, so you're not in it, in it, you're just interested. I'm in it in the sense that like we have clients that are okay. cannabis and CBD. But I'm not like an actual investor. Um, per- no, okay. not, not yet. Okay. I'm trying to figure out if that's the route I want to go or if I just want to be a tastemaker in it. You know what I mean? Where it's like knowledgeable, help with the branding side and do it that way or or like you said, like invest in something because that, that part of it has actually gotten extremely saturated. Um, yeah. A lot of investors, a lot of money behind the, the farms and things like that. So you kind of at this point in the game, if you're just coming in, you're, you are a little late in that. But there are other niche areas within the industry, that industry that you can kind of find a lane for. Do you invest in stocks at all? No, but I have started with the cryptocurrency thing a little bit. Okay. That's as close as I've gotten. Now, there's some, um, matter of fact, off camera, I'll give you some info on the stocks. Here. But with the cannabis stuff, you know, being that the market is so saturated as far as investor actually it opens up opportunity for stocks because then the interest is going up so oh, you know now be the time to put money put in money down. you know what i'm saying it's not even a lot of money you got to put in the right. shares is like maybe like 10 20 dollars a share yeah, yeah, yeah. you put some in and as the it continues to get saturated the more it's going to grow right you know what i'm saying but you know we'll talk a little bit further about that yeah. but now but that's what's up man yeah. you know I'm, I'm i'm glad you're doing your thing man and it seems like you know, you're helping people with their branding and their marketing, which, yeah. you know, this is the place to do it because everybody that's a talent needs that, mm-hmm. you know, and for someone like me who is doing everything on his own, I'm my own PR, my own, yeah. manager, my own booking agent. I do the editing, I do the interviewing, <laughs> I, I write the stuff, right? Know? and that's just with this. That's right. not including all the other stuff I got going on that I told you about, so. Wait, so mm-hmm. you ask me, so you're doing all those things, what do you do when you're not doing your business? When stuff? I'm on wine? Yeah. Honestly, I'm thinking about business. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to tune it out. That's such a loaded question because you, like, what do you do when you're on wine? Well, I can't. So I'm just going to keep working. You know what it is? Because it's just for me, I put so much pressure on myself to be great. And, and you know, I have some high expectation for myself and I got a lot of support that I don't want to let down. Right. So that just adds so much fuel to my fire that mm-hmm. my creative juices are always rolling. But 
you know, I travel a lot, you know what I'm saying? Love to, I've been to Paris, been to Italy, going to uh, Seattle Mall, you know, just came from New York, you know what I'm saying? Going to Florida Thanksgiving, so I like to travel. Um, you been to DR? In 1994 to see my real father. Okay. At one point, I do need to go back. I've never know. been. Oh, you got it. I know, got it. I know. Ghana. I know. Yeah. It's on the list. Yeah, try. The, I heard the resorts are good. When I went, I was actually in the city because I was staying with my with my real father at the time. Right. But I'm definitely going to hit the resorts up. Um, yeah, what else? Um, I, I like trying new foods. Okay. I definitely like the Chinese yeah, restaurant. Yeah, I'm a super food. <laughs> but um, I love to work out. You know what I'm saying? I'm constantly in the gym when I can. Um, damn, what else? I know. Um, I like to talk to my mother about. Okay. And she's still back in. She's in New York. No, she's in um Florida. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, man. And that's that's really pretty much it. Other than that, man, I'm just creating. You know, I'm just creating, creating as much as I can. Okay. I didn't really come out here to slow down. You right. Know what I'm I came yeah. out here to get keep it going. Yeah, sleep is for billionaires, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No sleep. No yeah. sleep till, till you're there. Exactly. It's true. Are you the only child? No, man. I got. Uh, I grew up. With my immediate sister, just one sister, but on my dad's side, you know, I got like <laughs> seven brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, you know. But I am the oldest. So I was the firstborn, the first grandson, you know. So, oh, okay. Yeah, but that's it's, it's a total of uh, it's like nine of us. Okay. But I'm the oldest. The oldest, got it. And yourself? Um, my mom's side, the only child. Mm-hmm. My dad's side. Is- Question mark. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know Dominican. Yes, Dominican Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, I mean, you're, you're the new generation. Hey, I only could speak for myself, man. You mm-hmm. know, what I'm saying, I, I, I do my thing, man. <laughs> Listen, I'm not that hard to deal with. You know, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. that's all I can say. But you know, I'm sorry about to hear about your bad experiences with Dominican yeah. men. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, my dad's whatever, but no, I've known so many. I mean, Dominicans and Puerto Rican men that are super. I mean, most of them in New York, but super. I kind of that. I was telling you earlier. I miss. There's some things I do miss about like living in major like urban cities. Like LA just doesn't is not quite the same for me in that regard. Like I miss that kind of like that culture and that like kind of welcoming, especially on the Latin side, you know. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's not quite the same out here in, in that regard. So I I go back all the time to New York and Seattle. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Well, let the people know where they can follow you at, you know, where can they uh, book your services yes. and all that good stuff. So we have xxcreative.com without an E, and that's the business side. And then I'm at Alexandria Bomb across all platforms. Yeah, it is, man. You heard it here first. I want to thank you for coming Thank you today. so much for having me. It was me. a pleasure this to meet fun. you. Look forward to working with you in the near future. Yes. I wish you much success in all your endeavors. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode <laughs> of Sleep is for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas, Drea B. Hey. Make sure you tune in for more episodes to come. And subscribe to the channel. I need all the damn likes I can get. <laughs> Stay tuned for more episodes to come. Thank you for watching.